Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Charrington. Raja is the Executive Committee Chair of the IEEE Global Initiative on Ethics of Autonomous and Intelligent Systems, as well as an IEEE Fellow. Uh, he's also a professor at Sorbonne University, Pierre Marie Curie, and director of the Institute of Intelligent Systems and Robotics there. Raja, welcome to This Week in Machine Learning and AI. Hello, everyone. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Uh, why don't we get started by having you tell us a little bit about your background and how you um, got involved in intelligent systems, robotics, uh, and ethics? Well, uh... Let's see, I'll make a long story short because uh, I've been working in uh, robotics and uh, uh, artificial intelligence since uh, a number of years now. Actually, I uh, defended my PhD on mobile robot navigation in 1981. <laughs> so oh, wow. that's uh, quite uh, long ago. And uh, I've been working therefore in uh, robotics and uh, intelligent systems, intelligent robotics since uh, that time, um, working on several aspects uh, of, of those uh, problems, including uh, planning, action planning, motion planning, uh, perception, uh, decision-making, learning, and uh, human-robot uh, interaction. So uh, uh, it's... Uh, a field that uh, I've been familiar with uh, since uh, a long time and which is evolving very, very fast, especially uh, in the past uh, few years because the technologies that were developed over the years have come to some uh, uh, maturation and uh, we understand much better now a lot of processes and problems uh, to be able to integrate them and get them to real-world solutions. Uh, and there have been also some uh, progress, of course, uh, which is uh, uh, enabling those technologies to become much more efficient, which is the increasing uh, computer speed, the availability of uh, memory, of data, enormous amounts of data. So that uh, fostered the whole field uh, recently. Great. And what's your current uh, focus? Well, uh, currently I'm focusing on uh, learning uh, processes, uh, how to get a robot to learn to interact with its environment. This is a basic issue, but the point is that we want the robot to uh, learn through his uh, or its uh, perception, it's a physical interaction to connect those two together without giving it much information a priori so that it discovers actually uh, uh, what is uh, its environment made of. Uh, we don't want to pre-program things. We don't want to supervise its learning process. We want this to be unsupervised and we want the robot to connect its perception and action because it's the only way, we think, uh, to actually grasp an understanding of the environment. If you, if you take uh, perception in general, it's considered and uh, developed as 
an observation process. You have images uh, and they process the images. You make some uh, classification and you come up with uh, identifying objects in the scene. And this can be based, of course, on learning processes such as deep learning. Uh, but uh, I think that this, uh, of course, is very efficient and has proven uh, efficiency uh, lately. But uh, by doing this, the robot doesn't really understand what it's looking at. Uh, to understand, it means that the robot has to uh, develop a knowledge about uh, what it can do, what it is uh, its... Uh, action scope, its action possibility uh, on uh, the object in this environment. And therefore, it has to connect its perception with its action capacities. And this cannot be done uh, separately. It has to be done simultaneously. So this learning process, which is based, of course, on processing data from sensors, but it's also based on reinforcement learning of interaction with this environment, would enable uh, the system, the robot, to uh, really connect its action capacities with its perceptual capacities. And this is what uh, I call really understanding the environment. Interesting. And now is the robot learning all of this from the ground up, meaning uh, you're firing up a system that has no a priori knowledge of its capabilities and it's, you know, exercising stepper motors and, you know, figuring out what, you know, degrees of freedom it has? Or what's the, what's the starting point for this understanding in your model? Well, that's, that's the main uh, difficulty. Excellent question, I would say. Uh, what I want to do is to do this to achieve this process uh, with minimal initial information. Now, okay. what is minimal? Uh, that's the point. It's not uh, very clear. But if we uh, define very basic and uh, very specific minimal knowledge that the robot has when it's uh, manufactured, I would say, or what is the initial programming that it has, uh, and then starting from this, develop the whole process, but reducing more and more these uh, basic, this basic knowledge. So, for example, if we start from really zero knowledge, just as you said, exercising the stepping motors, this will lead to a very uh, big complexity because there are many degrees of freedom. And uh, there is a quite uh, wide complexity also in the perception of the system. So we have to define a minimal set of processing capacities. For example, the system is able to determine verticals, horizontals, uh, diagonals. It's able to identify uh, some inter intersections. It's able to define some regions which have uh, a um, common um, perceptual background. So these are minimal processing capacities that the systems comes with, come with. And uh, in terms of actions, it is able to move its arm, for example. Uh, so we are not going to uh, start with the basic stepping motor or basic motor, but more a little bit more complex capacities that enable, for example, to move a whole arm to touch something. Okay. Uh, so 
starting from that, the development of the process can uh, be uh, made to understand how we connect perception and action together. Then we can get back to reduce maybe those initial assumptions, which are already small, uh, but uh, what we want to prove is the process itself. You want to prove the process or improve? Prove that it can work, that we can actually okay. arrive to do uh, this uh, understanding. We want the, the system has to discover what is called affordances of the objects, of the elements of the environment that it's uh, interacting with. And then we want to manipulate those affordances, which are those perceptual actual action representations, so that uh, the system is able to extract more and more uh, information about what it can do with them through this uh, interaction. And in order to uh, prove or even measure the robot's understanding of its environment, you need some kind of uh, representation for how, I guess for these affordances, like how do you, um, how does the robot represent affordances and how do you measure, I guess, the, the scope of the affordances that it has determined with an environment relative to the total um, number of affordances or uh, space of affordances? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very good question. Um, so the uh, point is some affordances are uh, discovered initially because there are some initial simple interactions like pushing or uh, holding or tapping. Uh, and this provides a first base a representation, an affordance. It's not, of course, the complete representation. So then uh, the process, which is based on reinforcement learning, uh, tends to build more complex affordances. So this is guided, if I may say, through uh, values. Values meaning that the system has basic, a basic set of motivations uh, that translates into rewards that it has when it discovers some representation that afford for those motivations and uh, reinforce, therefore, uh, this, this kind of representation. Uh, but by repeating this uh, process with uh, those basic motivations, uh, the idea is to build upon the uh, basic affordances more complex ones. So uh, let me give an example. Uh, when the robot pushes uh, a given object, well, suppose this pushing will uh, be actually pushing on a switch and then there is light that uh, mm, okay. uh, as, as, as a result. And one of the motivation of the robot is to have a... Uh, like to have a, a clearer uh, environment. Uh, so then this uh, object that it has pushed on, with, which is the switch, is identified as affording light. But the uh, initial representation was just a, a kind of box or a, a very simple object, 
which had other affordances. For example, the robot could be able to hold it or push it. But now it's associated with something new, which is light. And so there are, it has a more, I would say, uh, abstract property, which is not just uh, its uh, geometrical shape or uh, the fact that it was pushable and so on. Now it's associated with light. And uh, I can then use it for building up on more complex motivations, which, uh, for example, are uh, for fetching other objects, I need first to put on the light. Uh, and uh, therefore, this uh, object has become a... Uh, I don't really dare to pronounce the word symbolic, but that's what it is. Uh, it's not just described in its perceptual features. It's more described in some more abstract properties. It's related to this property of light and uh, uh, the idea is that then we can build upon that again and again. Yeah, I'm thinking a little bit of the of Josh Tenenbaum's work at MIT and trying to relate some of what you're doing to what I've heard of, of, of that work. Um, and it's interesting in that... Um, I think what what the way I think of what he's trying to do is like come up with this uh, notion of common sense for like how things work. And what you're doing is starting from almost no common sense and trying to have the robot, you know, figure everything out on the fly. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the stuff that he's uh, doing, but I'm curious if you have any, um, if you could maybe help me contextualize how they might fit together. Yes, uh, of course, I know about uh, uh, Josh Tebenbaum's work uh, and and work of many others in in this area, which is uh, not recent, of course. And uh, there have been a lot of of efforts and and research to to try to uh, provide common sense to robots, to computer systems, and so on. Uh, So it's it's absolutely related. And... uh, I think the approach to building common sense should uh, really be grounded in the physical interaction with the world. So uh, this is how we build common sense, by trying to uh, discover the effects of our actions, our, I mean, I'm speaking about the robot, of course, the effects of the actions, <laughs> right. uh, uh, of the robot's action on the world. Uh, so the, the, uh, without um, this uh, uh, knowledge, uh, common sense would be just a very abstract representation, wouldn't be really something that the robot is able to uh, sense uh, in, in, in its own ac- actions. So that's, I mean, it's, of course, in this general paradigm, uh, of uh, uh, developing common sense uh, and the approach is developmental uh, again similarly to what uh, children do they they, they uh, have some basic capacities basic knowledge basic uh, uh, sensing basic uh, action capacities but when they uh, start to experiment with the environment this is where 
they discover that there is something called gravity. Of course, they don't call it like that. Uh, but uh, they discover that when they hold something and they uh, just uh, let it go, it will drop to the ground. So right. it means there is a specific effect from their action that is observed. And the connection between this perception and action is the component, the major component of what is going to become uh, common sense, which is this a description of the laws of physics, of what uh, actually uh, is the effect of actions on the environment. Then we will need something else, which is a generalization, because uh, what I'm speaking about is just the interaction of the system with its environment. But uh, what what happens when you observes observe other agents, for example, uh, doing things, and how do you uh, develop from that? Uh, also, uh, uh, representations that you can embed with your own actions. Uh, that's uh, another uh, step, which is, I think, also very important, uh, but we are not doing this yet. Uh, as opposed to having the robot learn from kind of base principles, everything about the world, you know, shouldn't it have the benefit of the knowledge that we have? And for example, you know, are there ways to... Or should we be should we move towards kind of ways of you know representing the laws of physics, for example, uh, and being able to provide that as a you know an input model or 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 something to the robot that it can kind of discover and, and use affordances with that knowledge, as opposed to needing to figure that all out uh, from scratch. If I can answer uh, bluntly, I would say. The more knowledge you input to the system, the less it will be able to understand uh, its environment. Uh, it has really? to build to some point. It, it has to build this knowledge by itself. Uh, it's then it can maybe generalize or learn something that it can l relate to uh, its own experience, but. Uh, uh, let, I don't know if the, the following example is good. You can explain to me theoretically with the laws of physics how I can swim or how I can ride a bike. A bike. If I don't do it myself, I wouldn't really understand what you are talking about. Uh, so uh, then if I do it myself and then I read or I learn the laws of physics uh, about flotation, about uh, the conservation of, the, uh, of energy, of, the, of moments, and so on, well, then I can really theorize and understand what's going on when I ride the bike. So that's the idea. It's if we cannot anchor or ground on uh, actual experience uh, these notions, then we wouldn't really be able to understand these notions. So providing initial knowledge or information, uh, especially if it's described in uh, uh, theoretical ways or ways that relate to how the humans actually uh, understand this, 
uh, I don't believe it will be uh, much of help. Uh, so one of the things that you you mentioned earlier that uh, I thought was interesting was that you you put all of this, or the robot is exploring all of this in the some set uh, in a framework, a values based framework, right? The robot has some values or motivation, and it, it strikes me that perhaps this is. Uh, one of the hooks into the broader idea of ethics. Is that correct? Aha. Yes, well, values. Uh, of course, uh, it relates to some point to ethics because the values I'm speaking about when you start to inter- interact with the environment are more uh, values that will, in the beginning, relate to what uh, is able to... to uh, uh, answer the motivation of the robot. For example, uh, just uh, for the sake of simplicity, if if uh, the motivation of the robot is to uh, uh, have more power, uh, to to plug into a, a power device to have more energy, uh, okay. then this would lead uh, the robot to search for those actions and those perceptual uh, inputs that uh, can lead it to a better uh, reach this uh, goal, which is actually achieve this motivation. But then the idea is exactly to make those motivations more and more complex, starting with basic things like, like energy, for example, but then you can formulate uh, motivations in a more complex way uh, because... Uh, for example, in order to uh, reach the uh, power plug, uh, I might have to go to somewhere else because it's not located here. And therefore, uh, as a, 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 another motivation, there is the motivation to move, to, to uh, uh, have this uh, motion to, to reach somewhere else where I can indeed be able to have my initial motivation uh, fulfilled. Uh, so this is just an example to say that we can build more and more uh, global or in abstract motivations. I mean, that's my purpose to the point that uh, motivations can maybe lead to ethics in this case, uh, because when I uh, mention values, initially the values are those that are going to lead some, to some rewards. So right. starting from basic rewards to more complex rewards, uh, it, is it rewarding to have, for example, uh, a uh, positive interaction with another agent? How uh, is it uh, rewarding to have an uh, interaction that is satisfying uh, another agent's own motivations? Now, if you build on that, you can reach a point where this notion of motivation is going to, uh, and the values behind it, uh, is going to lead the robot to respect some maybe ethical uh, values. Ethics is is uh, built, I think, initially uh, when when uh, the uh, Greek philosophers uh, when. Uh, Plato, Aristotle um, uh, came up with uh, the notion of ethics. The idea was to uh, 
live the good life. The good life is what enables a society to hold together, what enables people to live in a society in which uh, they uh, have the ability to reach a form of happiness. Uh, that's what is uh, the uh, initial grounding of, of ethics. So how, how can we live together and live the good life? So uh, it means that this comes uh, from uh, an ability to uh, respect uh, some values which uh, uh, make this uh, social life possible instead of each one trying to kill the, uh, their neighbors. Uh, and uh, so this can be translated, although it's not what I'm doing now in terms of scientific research, this can be translated if we want our robots to uh, respect, uh, to develop an ethical uh, uh, behavior or an ethical common sense. Uh, this can be also uh, input as a, uh, a motivation in the robot system. However, personally, I don't believe that, at least for some time, we can uh, build robots that can grasp the meaning of some abstract notions, uh, such as human dignity, for example. The notion of dignity uh, which, which uh, also is, is uh, very important in uh, ethics. I don't believe that we can uh, really define this or uh, uh, I don't see a way uh, for uh, a robot, which is a machine, to discover what this means exactly. So uh, there will be some border maybe that we will have to cross one day to, to try to achieve this. But today, I don't see how we can uh, really define or uh, learn uh, by, by, uh, by a robot these uh, abstract notions of human dignity, uh, integrity, freedom, uh, human rights. <laughs> I'm just curious. There are... You know, abstractness is, is a, a spectrum. I'm not sure if it, I'm not sure that it's a, a two dimensional spectrum, but I'm wondering do you have a sense for what's the most abstract thing we've been able to teach a robot? Or any examples of things that are kind of towards the abstract side of the spectrum? Not sure uh, I can answer this. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, it's. Uh, uh, it's an abstract well, question. <laughs> yes, no, because because it's it's quite uh, uh, difficult to define what the robot has actually learned when we say right, what is the right. yeah. So what what does the robot know exactly? Of course, I can program the robot to uh, uh, with with some very abstract notions, and uh, for example, speaking about emotions, I can program a robot that says "I love you," but. I don't think the robot understands what love is. It's just the result of a specific programming, some parameters that have been input and that the system can measure and react according to those values, of the values of those parameters. But understanding what love means exactly, 
I'm not sure, uh, I'm even sure on the contrary, that a robot can grasp this. So it, this is why I'm saying um, uh, it depends what you mean by teaching and what you mean by understanding uh, by, by a robot system of, of those abstract notions. Yeah, I guess the things that came to mind were, like, I think we, we've been able to teach robots an abstract notion of shape, for example, that is, you know, at a higher level than, you know, point locations and an abstract notion of relative position, like something being on top of another thing that, again, is like abstracted away from, you know, stepper motor rotations and point locations and things like that. And it 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 just it just occurred to me that the, you know there's a spectrum of abstractness. I don't know if it's you know those are pretty close to the physical side of uh, on that spectrum, and and maybe we're just kind of stuck around abstracting these base physical things. And I don't even know how to characterize the line between that and the next set of things. Um, I was just curious if this was something that you've come across and thought of. Yeah, uh, well, uh, I still believe that the examples you've provided, which are mostly geometrical examples, for example, or mm-hmm. topological examples, uh, something yes. is above something else, I, I, I still believe that even if these sound as uh, abstract notions that we have defined, uh, we, I, I, don't, I don't believe we have really made a robot understand what this means exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you can describe what it means uh, uh, box A on top of box B or uh, whatever uh, by defining some relationships between the shapes. Uh, but uh, this is this really defined in uh, any situation? Uh, is it that abstract? What uh, what will happen, for example, if uh, you have a robot in outer space and uh, there is no gravity? Uh, what does it mean something on top of something else? Uh, I'm not sure a robot can grasp the profound notion of something on top of something else uh, because it doesn't even have this notion of gravity uh, uh, and notion of up down uh, and so on is uh, uh, very much related to our relationship with the world. So it's on top because my uh, I'm vertical, for example, and something is on top of something else because it's uh, following this verticality, for example. Uh, (laughs) But uh, uh, when you change the uh, referential, uh, I'm not sure the robot can grasp what this means. So I believe our definitions are, are actually very much grounded in some knowledge that is not expressed, not explicit in the, uh, in the robot system. Um, so that, that kind of begs two questions for me. One is, what does understanding even mean and what is, what is the test for robot understanding? And secondarily, it also causes me to question this idea of having robots learn things from from scratch. And, and in particular, if the robots are going to, to interact with and communicate with, with us, us as humans and so many fundamental things about 
the way we perceive the world, like, you know, something being on top of it is fundamentally connected to our humanness, in this case, our verticality. Like, don't we have to give the robots a lot in order for them to develop an understanding of the world that even makes sense to us? Yeah, uh, well, that's that's exactly uh, the point. I mean, uh, if we want to build a robot that is useful, that we want to use tomorrow, that uh, we want to uh, use it for achieving tasks and with, with which we want to communicate and say, put uh, this book on top of this desk, for example. Of course, we have to program things into those robots. But again, the robot is just a kind of zombie. It doesn't understand what it's doing. It's doing it, but it doesn't understand what it's doing. It's just repeating or executing some program that uh, has embedded what is needed for it to do this task. If uh, we truly, I mean, from a scientific point of view, not from an uh, uh, utilitarian point of view, if, if I may say, uh, if we want really to understand what this means, what does it mean for a system, for a machine to develop those notions, well, then it's a different story. And, and uh, this is what actually AI and robotics, uh, in terms of scientific research, is, is trying to deal with. And we are still miles uh, and, and years from uh, uh, understanding how we are going to do that. So <laughs> two different things. And just to, to be a little bit more provocative, I would say my personal um, uh, view is that to achieve this uh, understanding, uh, you said what understanding is, uh, to achieve this notion of understanding, I believe something is necessary. It's the notion of self, self-awareness. Uh, uh, if, if, if the machine does not have this notion, I don't believe it will be able to really understand. Because understanding is related to uh, me, I mean the self, being at the... Uh, center at the core of uh, a process of interaction with the environment uh, the uh, and and the capacity of reflecting on one's own capacities one's own uh, reasoning reasoning on what i'm doing meta reasoning if you wish so i i i believe that if we uh, are not able to develop these meta reasoning capacities this self evaluation capacity that enables to reflect on one's own place in the environment, in the universe, in the world, uh, this notion of understanding would be just uh, artificial, uh, not, not genuine. And uh, which leads us to this notion of uh, are we able to build self-aware machines, uh, conscious machine, self-aware machines. Uh, right. That's another issue that is much discussed as well. Uh, but uh, I think this is uh, fundamental. Uh, otherwise, we will always have systems that just act like zombies, not like uh, entities that uh, grasp what their um, environment and therefore what they are about what they are doing. 
really. Mm. Is there anything that you've come across in the research that, you know, is showing promising results at, at demonstrating some degree of self-awareness? <laughs> um, there is, uh, there are tons of publications on self-awareness, uh, but frankly, I think we are just uh, rotating around this uh, notion, uh, <laughs> like uh, the planets are rotating around the sun, uh, except that the sun we can see it, and uh, consciousness or self-awareness we can't, and uh, mm-hmm. we don't have uh, a clear definition of what it is. Uh, so this is actually the, the basic uh, motivation between my work is to try to understand if and how, and of course the question is still quite open, if and how we can develop this notion of self-awareness through uh, the interaction of the system with its environment, the interaction of the system with other agents, other systems. The idea is that when you interact with the environment, you have to uh, relate things to you. You have to recognize yourself in this environment. This is my action. This is my arm doing this. Uh, and, and this is therefore my volition, my will, my, my decision to act in this way. This my places the, the, the self in the center. Uh, this is related to this means something to me because I can do something with it. Uh, if um, uh, w- the system is not able to grasp this relationship between itself and its environment, uh, it will not have self awareness. So, self awareness will be developed through this interaction with the environment. It strikes me that some of the work that's happening in and around reinforcement learning. Um, you know, playing Atari games and, and the like, it, it strikes me that some of that is approaching self-awareness. The the agent uh, is clearly aware, well, I guess we have to define aware, but there's, there's a clear relationship between the actions of the, the agent and the, the environment and the, the whole premise of the reinforcement learning environment is that the agent can manipulate this environment and maximize some objective. Absolutely. The uh, reinforcement learning, in my opinion, is a uh, core uh, to this. And, and this is a, a, a technique which is absolutely um, related to uh, trying indeed to build, re- reinforce uh, this understanding. Uh, the point is, of course, that in, in, in reinforcement learning, you have to learn the value function. Uh, you, you, it should be something that is discovered as well. Uh, and this means that I have to discover what is of value to me. And this gets us back to motivations. Uh, so uh, the, uh, there, there should be some minimal motivations upon which more complex motivations are going to be built, but there should be some minimal motivations. However, most systems doing reinforcement learning are focused on solving a specific problem. Uh, So you have systems with, uh, of course, the concept is quite wide and quite general, but uh, you have a system that's going to play Atari, as you said, or that's going to assemble boxes and so on with the same process. So again, the process is core, but the values 
and uh, the way they translate into uh, achieving the motivations of the system, that's, uh, that's a big point. Uh, so, for example, you achieve a system that is able to play, say, uh, by reinforcement learning is going to, to play Go or to play Atari, whatever. But what about a system that says, I've had enough playing this game, let's do something else. Then it's going to uh, actually reason differently. It's, it's not just doing something that it has been designed to do. It's going to decide something else, to do something else, uh, which maybe is related to a different motivation. Uh, that's uh, a point in achieving a, 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 uh, a system that is not just doing what I have or learning to, to achieve what I programmed it to do. It has to be able from other from a wider set of motivations or a wider set of uh, uh, self-reflection capacities to jump, to initiate maybe uh, uh, other decisions that were not explicitly what I uh, asked it to do at the moment. I'm not sure I'm clear, but the point is... Uh, if the system is not able to reflect on its own motivations and to change that, then it will remain prisoner in, in the uh, compartment of uh, actions and uh, uh, objectives that the programmer has completely defined. I'm not sure it's possible to get out of that compartment, but that's, that, that's the issue, that's the point. The notion of, of, I guess we can call it self-agency that you just described, being uh, able to, to come up with its own motivations, do you think that's inseparable from the idea of self-awareness? Like, could a machine be uh, both self-aware and yet unable to determine its own motivations? Well, that's just a belief. I'm not sure. Uh, I think uh, it's it's related, maybe to some degree. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure we can define. I mean, self awareness is not necessarily something you have or you don't. You might have several degrees of self awareness. There are some uh, studies about this in in some for for some animals, for example, for uh, the uh, maybe dolphins or 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 for uh, uh, some apes, but uh, so there might be some degrees of self-awareness. I'm, I'm, so I'm not sure there is only one degree, uh, but eventually, yes, I think that uh, this is related to uh, this capacity of uh, uh, being able ultimately to to have a, a kind of free will uh, to, to, to right. step out of the of the enclosure. So, and this might lead more explicitly to the notion of ethics, actually. Uh, although we are trying to, in the IEEE initiative, to work on the ethical issues of today's autonomous systems, of today's uh, intelligent systems, those which don't have those capacities, uh, 
uh, how do we uh, reach a, uh, a development or a design process of those systems so that they are compliant with uh, human values uh, so this this is a design methodology for example this is uh, uh, something that has to be uh, considered and taken into account when uh, uh, people, researchers, engineers, uh, designers uh, develop such systems. But on the more research scientific side, of course, uh, having a, uh, an autonomous system or a system that is capable of uh, reflecting on its own, uh, on its own, about uh, ethical considerations, well, that will be the ultimate uh, thing. But uh, uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, I, I don't believe we are uh, even close to that. It is certainly a fascinating topic and uh, one with many, many kind of interrelated layers. You know, we're coming up on the top of the hour. We've hit the top of the hour. I think we're going to have to schedule a part two at some point to, to go into the ethics of autonomous systems. There's a lot there to, to chat about as well. Um, but um, I really enjoyed learning about your research and the uh, some of the ways you're approaching this idea of abstract thought and understanding for robotics. Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, I'll be delighted to have another chat uh, because indeed we, just alluded very, very briefly to that. And, uh, but the conversation was very, very interesting. Great. Well, thank you so much, Raja. Thank you, Sam. All right, everyone. That's our show for today. For more information on Raja or any of the topics covered in this episode, you'll find the show notes at twimlai.com slash talk slash 118. If you have any questions for Raja, please post them there and we'll make sure to bring them to his attention. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, or you're a veteran listener and haven't already done so, head on over to your podcast app of choice and leave us your most gracious and glowing review. It helps new listeners find us, which helps us grow. Thanks in advance. And of course, thanks so much for listening and catch you next time.